And then there's Billy Bob. Oh, don't tell me about Billy Bob. William, you don't want to know. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week, we are digging back into the archives, and I am going to reveal some unused material that we didn't have time to get to on the normal show. So it's a little bit of a grab bag. I was going to call it the cutting room floor, but you're right. It wasn't cut. It was never used to begin with. Right. Right. So, but you know what? Now we get to use it. So whatever. You might uh, be aware of the fact that I will have a habit of uh, speaking at length. Uh, And so there's a chance that I might be to blame for why Kristen's material doesn't always make it to air. Perhaps a chance. Perhaps a smidge. Um, We try to keep the show to, you know, an hour-ish. And so sometimes I just have to make cuts. And so honestly, one of these things, I think that I'm going to be starting off with um, my haunted Missouri material. Oh. In that show, we don't get to me at all. Because, Is that right? Yes, because what you were talking about was so interesting, oh. and I, no, genuinely, and I believe we were. I was like, just keep going; it's all right, or whatever. Well, you can I think hardly we, blame me if it was really, really, really good material. Did I say I blamed you? No, no I, I did not. I mean, I wasn't trying to accuse you of anything. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, if it you being say, good is better than me just running running long for for no good reason yeah um, can i can i tell you something funny though and i, I won't sure. i won't touch it i won't i won't even use it i just searched my uh notes for the word unused because i remembered uh-huh. yeah i also have a page for material i didn't get to oh. and the first stuff is from episode 260 haunted missouri <laughs> you must have just like gone to town then i think i did i think i went wild on missouri yeah, because the entire episode is talking about Zombie Road and Lemp Mansion. Wow, weird. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I have my whole side of that and some other places as well. Awesome. So let's just go right into Missouri. This is a very famous cryptid. So I think that anybody who kind of lives in the Midwest may have heard of it. This is Momo. Ah! Will, are you aware of Momo? I am not. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I'm aware of Momo. The name does ring a bell a little bit, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. I could maybe just say that there's something called Momo. I felt the same way. I basically knew that there was a cryptid called Momo. I don't even know if I knew that it was in Missouri. Yeah. But so here's the deal. Um, I think I sound so weird. I would just like to acknowledge um, that Krampus took a COVID crap in my stocking. Uh, yeah. And I'm very stuffy, so I apologize to everybody. Kristen and I are recording this episode remotely for the first time in a long time. Kristen's at her house, I'm at my house. Mm-hmm. So if the show sounds a little bit different, that is why. But listen, yes. the world is what the world is. We know that there are a lot of people that are getting hit with COVID and RSV, and mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're no different, but we soldier on. Absolutely. So I apologize for sounding funny, but it's just the, the way it's got to be this week. Yeah. Um, so Momo took the town of Louisiana, Missouri by storm in the summer of 1972. And this was five years after the Patterson-Gimlin video, which I think is interesting for context. That is the famous Bigfoot video um, that a lot of people are aware of. It kind of like set the whole Bigfoot thing aflame. 
And so the country may have had a touch of cryptid fever at the time. It could have been the perfect storm for Momo to come out and really make a splash. Uh, Momo stands for Missouri Monster. And um, there was a big like boom of press around him starting in about 1972 there was an article that appeared in the st louis post dispatch okay. um in 1972 that was the the paper that we used to get when we lived in missouri and then it yeah, started I, have, to... I have vivid memories of you at 16 sitting at the <laughs> dinner table reading the the post dispatch why do you remember what newspaper we got I remember mom and dad getting it, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I think it has a name that has like a rhythm to it that I find fun. The St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm a reporter for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Yeah. It does It does feel good to say. It's uh-huh. just I could never remember that. Oh, really? Yeah, I, no you know, I don't know if I would have remembered it if you had quizzed me and said, what was the local St. Louis newspaper? Yeah. But as soon as I saw it during this research, I was like, oh, man, I totally remember that. Right. So, you know, originally got coverage locally and then got national press coverage after that. It just kind of exploded. Um, so they reposted the original reporting from that 1972 article on uh, stltoday.com. And so I'm going to read that to you because why not? Sure. All right. <clears throat> The monster hunt on Marzolf Hill is just a monstrous joke, according to the non-believers. But nobody is going to get Edgar Harrison to believe that, or his wife Betty, or his daughter Doris, or his son Terry Keith, or Vivian Hoochins either. Good God. What a weird way to write that. How many people do they need to mention? And also just, I don't know, there's a smoother way to say it. I would think so. Uh, Mrs. Betty Harrison, Hoochin's sister-in-law, and her seven children have moved in with Hoochins and his wife. Mrs. Harrison says she will, quote, never go back up there to the Harrison house on Allen Street at the foot of Marzolf Hill. Hoochins, 56 years old, was a service station attendant until he suffered a minor stroke. He lives on Georgia Street in town. He hasn't seen the monster, but he has heard and smelled it, too. Uh-oh. Oh, I think I smelled a monster. <laughs> The odor is worse than any old goat that you ever smelled, Hoochin said. Its growl is like a bear's, but a bear doesn't run on two feet. Wait, 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 wait. There's, yes. there's, there are like a couple things to unpack here. Sure. They really went with like, it smells like a monster in here, and it smells worse than any old goat? Yes. You'll ever smell? This I is know, a our- farming community, right? Like this is the Midwest where like you it's common parlance to just be like it smells like it smells worse than a goat. I guess it's here, not Ted. It's not common parlance that I'm familiar with, but perhaps this is a a regular colloquial phrase. Quick aside. So I uh-huh. listen to a lot a lot of Elmo, right? Yes. Zoe loves Elmo. So we were listening to Elmo on Spotify and he sings that like oh give me a home where the buffalo roam, right? But then at one point, there's a lyric that's like, I miss the smell of the cows out on the trail. Okay. And I was I saying mean, to Al, I was like, why would they go with smell? <laughs> why would you go with missing the smell of the cow? You know what the cows smell You could even like. do, s- yeah, I mean, they don't call it a cow pie for nothing. Yeah. They could even well, send the sound. Well, that's about taste. 
<laughs> the sound. Yeah, absolutely. Hearing the sound of the cows, seeing those cows living free, eating the grass or something. The smell of the cows is not the thing that I feel fond about or nostalgic no. of. I would say that they're like semi-famously stinky. You would be because like, because of the concept God. of a cow pie. I miss, I miss, I miss hearing those cows. But thank God I don't smell them. Yeah, that I do not miss. Right. No, that is very, very weird. Maybe well, Elmo's a monster, right? Maybe Elmo. Maybe the smell is different from. Elmo. <laughs> That's true. I I saw a tweet this week where it said that um, there was an answer to a crossword puzzle that was Elmo, but the questioner prompt was something about a monster, and it said that they were home for Christmas and their mom was hesitating to put Elmo because she didn't want to acknowledge him as a monster. He it was written monster. much funnier than that, but he it was he cute. he is a monster though. I believe his last name is Monster. Right. I believe that's what the replies were saying. There's a whole thing on set. I'm, I'm sort of uh, like way into the like the like nitty gritty details of Sesame Street lately because I watch so much. So you get, your mm -hmm. mind goes somewhere else. But like monsters are a race on Sesame uh -huh. Street. You are a monster or you are not. You know, you right. are right. Like like Bert and Ernie are not monsters. Right. Well, you it's know? like a species. Is it like an animal or something? Y yeah, I guess. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I took it. I took yeah. it more as like a race allegory or something. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. There's. I'm. Sh there's a lot to unpack on Sesame Street. Oh, certainly. That is to be sure. So to pick back up, the odor is worse than any old goat that you ever smelled, and its growl is like a bear's, but a bear doesn't run on two feet. Doris fifteen and Terry Keith eight saw the thing in their backyard, which leads into the woods on the hill. It was right by the tree, six or seven feet tall, black and hairy, said Doris. It stood like a man, but it didn't look like one to me. Doris saw the thing a week ago last Tuesday afternoon. She was home watching the other Harrison children while her father was at work at the Department of Public Works and her mother was at the cafe the Harrisons had been running on Main Street. The cafe is closed now. Too much trouble with all the kids, Mrs. Harrison explained. There's a lot of local color in this article a lot yeah more because they more know that monster. only they know that like you know a couple of families are reading it i know yeah. uh terry and wally paul he's five years old were out in the back with chubby the dog doris said when i heard terry <laughs> screaming i looked out the bathroom window and saw it i started crying and ran into the other room to call mom on the telephone and then she and dad came on home mrs harrison interrupted her daughter you left out a part, she said. You forgot to tell how Terry Keith's face was so white when he got in the house, you couldn't see a freckle. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Keith is red-haired with a considerable number of freckles. Whatever ter Terry Keith saw, his, his brother Wally Paul didn't. Ever since that Tuesday night of last week, Shelby Ward, the police chief, has had a bad time. Many a night, he has been called out of bed to go up on the hill to investigate things people hear. Yesterday morning, Ward got about two dozen men together and made three passes up that hill. We didn't find a thing. I hope that ends it. However, the search party wasn't back sitting in the shade on Clyde Estes's front stoop across from City Hall more than 20 minutes when a new report came in. Up at the restaurant, they're saying we didn't find any trace of the thing because it's got a big tail that swept away its footprints, said Nelson Clark with a laugh. Clark, a member of the fire department, had been on the hunt. When Doris Harrison said that the thing was only six or seven feet tall, she was contradicting other reports, which said the monster had grown to between seven and 12 feet tall. Oh. So that's double. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a huge span. <laughs> it's a big discrepancy. I love this evolutionary thing it could have picked up, though, where its tail wipes away its footprints. 
Right. As it walks? Right. Yeah, like, it's just self-preservation. That's great. Because I know, I everything, like for most cryptids, it's all about footprints, right? Yeah. Like, or scat. Of, of course. Dung. But <laughs> mostly footprints. Because you constantly hear about them taking like a plaster cast of Bigfoot's footprints yeah. or something. I feel like I've even seen the Loch Ness Monster's footprints or something. <laughs> Momo wipes away its footprints as it walks. Yeah, it's seen all of the trouble that Bigfoot has had with its footprints. And it's like, I don't want these people to be on to me. It's adaptable. So it's evolved. Yeah, it's I love that. It's like Danny at the end of The Shining, just cleaning up its footprints and then Jack can't find it. Done. Yeah, exactly. Boom. Um, this Mississippi River town in Pike County with about 5,000 persons is generally conservative, said George Minor. Aren't all towns conservative, he asked. John Gillis, news editor of the Louisiana Press Journal, said, the people here usually don't get excited about things. But Glenn Walker, who drives a taxi cab, thinks the whole story is a lot of malarkey. <laughs> he said, you can put out one word right here, and by the time it gets around the block, you got a dictionary. Wh- Ooh. I know. This Isn't that is a, a good great, line? A great new phrase. Yes. Thank you, Glenn Walker. Thank you, taxi driver Glenn Walker. Because that's really just like saying it's a big game of telephone, right? Yeah. Like it, you tell the story to somebody, they tell it to somebody else, the story changes. You know, they tell it to three people, they tell it to three people. You could spread one word around and yada, 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 you'd have a full dictionary. Yeah. That's really cool. I know. Uh, there are stories that the monster picked up a sports car and hauled it into a ditch. And some persons say the thing has three toes on each foot and has green eyes or red eyes. Someone is supposed to have seen it crossing Highway 79 with a sheep or a dog or something in its mouth. You know what's interesting about this writer? They're not really into a comma and a list. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, remember how they listed out all of the kids in the beginning? Yes. It was like really weird. You could have just written with a sheep, a dog, or something in its mouth. Right. Here. But they went aura aura. Anyway. Yeah, that's interesting. Also, I feel like there's far less color in what the monster is doing. I know. That's why I wanted to read this because there's so much local color that's like so fun to read and sort of like gives it more of a sense of place and a sense of reality and like the way that this thing would be in a community. Yeah. It's like it's like a, a cryptid sighting at Lake Wobegon. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is. Uh, so yeah, they've seen it with these animals in its mouth. Ward's worry is that people are going to go up the hill with guns looking for this thing and someone's going to get shot. We've been up there and we're convinced there's nothing there now. We've got the hill barricaded off, but you know some kids will get up there at night. More than likely, that's how it all started anyway. Some kids making noises. Vic Meyer, too, was worried about guns on the hill. He raises Australian sheepdogs and quarter horses down Highway 79 at Clarksville. He came up for the hunt because he's a member of the Pike County Rescue Squad. There were maybe a hundred people at City Hall when we got together for the hunt, Meyer said, and most of them had guns. I was glad when Shelby held it to law enforcement officers and members of the rescue squad. I wouldn't have gone up there if he hadn't. Harrison, who has worked for the city for 21 of his 41 years, says he and maybe 50 other persons had heard the monster. Harrison is a deacon in the Pentecostal church. Last Friday, he said, quote, we were having our regular church meeting at my house when we all heard it. It was kind of like a loud growling noise. We heard it three times. Then it seemed like it was hurt or something. It gave out a large yelp. Mrs. Harrison said, it sounded like a gorilla. That's what it is. A Bigfoot. I heard they got them. Uh, I heard they've got one in California and up in Canada. 
Harrison has put out bait for the monster. He hung some fish from a tree and hung some ham skin on a limb. Ham the bait, skin? Ham skin. Ham the bait, skin. The bait, meaning the ham skin, hasn't been touched. In addition, Harrison has tied his dog up there on the hill beside behind the house at night while I sit out there waiting. There's something up there. We just haven't found it yet. He put his dog out there for bait? What? This guy's a sickie. Between the ham skin, if the ham skin wasn't warning enough, Harrison's got something going on. Yes, 100%. And this is a deacon. There's a bigger problem. This isn't good. There's a bigger problem in this small community. Somebody's been stringing up ham skin and leaving dogs out as bait for monsters. For gorillas, for like a big gorilla to eat is what they're saying. So is... they're also saying that Bigfoot is a gorilla. Yeah, uh-huh. Like, I, I guess I would more closely associate Bigfoot as some sort of a human bear. Um, People talk about him being ape-like. You know what I mean? Like, there's the ape? idea of, like, the skunk ape. I guess, but... Do, do, would an ape eat? So wait, what do they hang up? I, I, I got so, my, my, my memory got erased when you brought up hamskin. When I said what the was, words hamskin? Yeah. What was the other thing they hung up as bait? Let me say, uh, fish. 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 So like I could see an animal wanting to eat fish, right? Like yeah. they probably forage in like a river. Like you think of like a big bear in a river, but like a gorilla. Mm-hmm. I gotta admit, I don't know what a gorilla eats. Does it eat a handful of bananas? Bananas, yeah, like one yummy banana per day, right? Like I, yeah. I don't know what they eat. Like a handful of nuts and berries. <laughs> they eat a twig and berries, and that's it. Like Probably I don't a twig know. and two berries. Yeah, hamskin, perhaps. I don't know. I no. mean, Harrison. We know it's not hamskin because no one's touched it. You haven't even touched your hamskin. Or, or. Does Momo not have the same diet as Bigfoot? Because they're assuming that we're playing by Bigfoot rules here right. and putting out what they think Bigfoot will like. Right. However, we're not talking about Bigfoot. We're talking about Momo. Well, then literally the only thing we know about Momo is that it doesn't like ham skin or dog. <laughs> or it, fish. It might like fish. Well, they, they make a point, though, of saying it didn't touch the ham skin, which to me oh, I see. implies that the fish was, yes, touched. Let me see. Hang at on. least touched. Did they say that? Fully they did not say that. What? They, all of the bait hasn't been touched. Oh. Yeah. Not merely the ham skin. Okay. No. All right. All right. That's, no. that's big. Pass up the ham skin and the fish, if you can believe it. Oh, my God. All right. So where we leave off, this freaking guy tied up his dog to uh, see if that will draw Momo. And then we carry on. Some persons think the Harrison children saw a honey bear forced down toward town in search of water in Town Branch Creek, which runs close to the Harrison house. The weather has been hot and dry. Others say that the Harrisons heard... Uh, I'm sorry, but typo, the only honey bear I know is in my cabinet next to my peanut butter. Yeah, absolutely. Honey I know bear. that honey bear. I know one other, and he goes by the name Pooh. <laughs> and he's a body positive icon. He is. <laughs> Um, just look up the rumbly in my tumbly song and you'll see what I'm talking about. He's admiring his form. He loves it. It's part of our Zoe playlist. <laughs> I, I love that song. I think it's so adorable. Up, down, touch the ground puts me in the mood. I up, down, touch the ground in the mood for food. Boop, boop. Um, when... Have you seen that on Instagram? There's this update now where you can put up what's essentially like an away message. 
No. Okay, it's it's a thing. And um, when I saw it, I was like, oh, maybe I'll put up something. And I thought about it for a minute, and then I was like, I'll put time for something sweet. <laughs> but nobody would know that's what it is, so I just yeah. didn't do anything at all. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, they thought it was a honey bear. Others say that the Harrison, what the Harrisons heard was probably some kids fooling around with a tape recorder. Okay. The search served at least one purpose in an election year. Forty candidates for county sheriff were out showing their devotion to duty. Uh, cow pies, scat. Yeah. But even that ended in failure for Jack Floyd. The police chief at nearby Bowling Green, who was one of the Democrats running for sheriff in the primary next month. I thought I'd get rid of some of the competition, said Floyd, but all I saw to shoot was a Republican. What? What? Wait. And that's where they end the article, by the Wait, way. I'm not sure if I understand what that joke means. <laughs> I guess he's saying that he could have shot one of the other Democrats running because there is competition. Right. It's like a non joke. I'm not defending this joke. I'm <laughs> unpacking what he must mean. But for some reason, all he saw to shoot were Republicans and they are not his competition. So useless. Oh, okay. I don't know. Um, so that was the original reporting, which is so strange. It's so strange, yeah. <laughs> and yet set the nation on fire and brought in tons of visitors to town who wanted to try to see the monster themselves. There was even just two, or excuse me, one year after this, there was a Momo ride at Six Flags from 1973 to, uh, and it ran until 1994 called momo the monster wow. it looks like it was kind of like a teacups ride but a little bit more intense so the thing that you're in spins one way while the entire foundation of the ride rotates and the arms attached to your cup move up and down and then it like switch it back up the oh. other way all right sounds like a recipe for barf yeah oh yeah um i have a few recipes for barf by the way that we can trade if you're interested oh that that would be great i would love that i have a recipe book <laughs> but they're all recipes for barf <laughs> um everybody was cashing in on or you know what i shouldn't say cashing in sure it was cashing in but everybody was having fun with it you know what i mean like it was like an exciting mm. surprising local thing that put them on the map so local restaurants um you know, capitalize on the excitement by having monster burgers on the menu. And it is still a thing. Um, it was the 50th anniversary of the Momo signing recently. So the Louisiana Historical Museum hosted a Momo concert featuring Bill White, who wrote the song Momo the Missouri Monster. And I mentioned this partially because this song is only available on Bill White's Bandcamp for oh. $1 a download. It's wow. not like streaming or anything. You have to go buy it. Exclusive. It might be up on YouTube or something, but I think it's funny that it's like only there. Yeah. Um, and they had commemorative t-shirts and stuff. Uh, a local restaurant even brought back a past Momo special for the event. This is the Momo Crumbly Burger with a special sauce. Momo Crumbly Burger? <laughs> yep. That's weird. I know. I don't know what's on that actually falls apart before you can get it in your mouth yeah crumbly isn't usually what you want to hear maybe it has like blue cheese on it or something because that's maybe, a famously yeah. crumbly cheese true that appeals to people famously <laughs> cheese is famously crumbly. and people like its crumbles they do. so that would be a selling point <laughs> people do like its crumbles yeah you're right about that sis thanks bro because otherwise why would you want that oh that's so funny but 
There are those who think this whole Momo thing is much ado about nothing. Some people say that it makes their town look silly and being associated with a monster is not where it's at. Mm. There is a retired teacher named Priscilla Giltner who says she knows it was a prank and that she knows Momo's identity or identities, but she won't spill it. She says that she and her husband were on a camping trip when the Momo news exploded and that she went to a payphone to call a student who she thought might be responsible. What? So odd. I don't even know what to say about it other than we're all thinking the same thing. Might be responsible? And you called a student from your vacation? Yeah, this isn't. She got caught calling that student (laughs) and then had to explain to her husband why, right? Oh, yeah. I think that they were Momo. I think they were Momo. (laughs) What? What is that? So weird. What are you talking about? Um, so she says that the student said that it wasn't them, but that they gave her the name of the three boys that they say that they know did it. She's never given up their names and no one has ever come forward. But perhaps it doesn't matter because Momo has grown so far beyond sightings. Uh, Sean Rost, an oral historian for the State Historical Museum wait, excuse me, the State Historical Society of Missouri said that people want to believe these things are real because they don't want the story to be taken away from them and that the excitement and mystery of all this lives on as long as there's a sliver of possibility that these are real things and that it's really the fun of it that kind of matters to most people and the actuality of these creatures existing is kind of secondary. And I totally agree. Yeah, I I think that's that's definitely true. There's like a... It brings some sort of a levity and mm-hmm. and a light to to people's lives a little bit to think that there's something fantastical happening. Like yeah, for most people, you know, like people are you know you got to work a day job or something, and everything tends to sort of like blend together. And then what? There's a mm-hmm. monster in our backyard. How cool is that? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And just unexpected. And like it's so exciting that the newspaper would write that up. Like, yeah. even though it's it was a lot that they, you know, named so many names and where they work and all of that. That's so fun for the people involved and the people who know them and everything. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's neat. Interesting. Yeah, I, I could have said wasn't there a Momo challenge? Well, yeah, but that you know, I don't even really know what that is. It was like a scary looking person. Do you know what I'm talking about? Remember, it was like yeah, somebody pale with like long hair. It was like a chicken like, person. Yeah, it was like a chicken person, like a long face. What was the challenge of the Momo challenge? I think I think it was like you know, look at this image and you'll die. That kind of thing. Like, um, there are yeah, that that was sort of like a meme. Yeah, that like became semi recently, yeah, like in the last year, I bet. Yeah, but it's not a um, it's not associated with the Missouri monster. No, it's not. It's not our Momo. No. no. Hashtag not my Momo. Not my Momo. Not my Momo. To be perfectly clear. So Momo is fun. I think it's neat. It's not like one of the big, big boys, but certainly I think that if you live um, in that town or even like the Midwest, um, yeah. it's it's a cool, neat thing. Yeah, that's super cool. Love it. All right. The next thing I want to tell you about has such an awesome story attached to it. I'm very looking forward to getting into it. It is also a Missouri tale, and we will talk about it after these messages. What? I gotta wait through a whole commercial break? You do, bung! Totino's but... Pizza Rolls. <laughs> yeah. 
We just want to make sure that everybody out there knows about patreon.com slash gttupod. This is a way that you can support the show by making a monthly donation. We have a number of different tiers, so you can pick the one that works best for you. And you get bonuses back in return as a thank you. We actually have a whole second podcast called The Netherworld Dispatch that lives over on Patreon. And if you donate at the highest level, which is the $13 level, you can get a, a second episode of us every single week, every Monday, and then it goes down from there. So you can figure out what works for your budget, your interest level, and you can do something that really helps us keep the show going and get a lot of really fun stuff in return. That's right. Our uh, our most recent episode of the Netherworld Dispatch came out this past Monday, meaning it's available right this second. Uh, it's episode 89, Beyond Demonic Toys. Kristen and I look at some uh, trailers and clips from the Demonic Toys franchise sequels. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It is a mess. Yeah. Um, it is offensive. <laughs> it is offensive. We also spend some time on the movie Toys. Yes. The Robin Williams movie from the 90s, which is also all of the above. Yes. It's offensive. <laughs> it's it disgusting. offends the senses. It really does. But we sacrificed our body for the play. You can you can watch us watch it, listen to us listen to it. Uh, go check that out. That's out right this second. Patreon.com slash pod. New exclusive episodes every single Monday if you join that demon tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we greatly, greatly appreciate everybody who backs us there. Thank you. Thank you. We certainly do. Thank you so much. And just also want to mention that there is a Discord associated with the Patreon. And if you join on any level, even the $1 level, you will get access to that Discord. And we would love to have you. It's like a big chat room where really cool people who also listen to the show are talking every single day. It's super fun. Also, since this is the last show of 2022, I just want to shout out everybody who's been enjoying the show all year long. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you if you're brand new. For hopping aboard, uh, welcome to Guide to the Unknown, and uh, we hope that you enjoyed everything in 2022. I know that I really did, and I'm stoked for more 2023. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Thank you so much to everybody. Thank you, Willie. Thank um, you, Chrissy. What a long, strange trip it's been, eh? All you guides. That's right. No, we really appreciate you all. Thank you. Very much. <clears throat> okay. So this is the story of what is alternately known as the Hornet spook lights or the Joplin spook lights. So this has very much a will of the wisp sort of vibe. Awesome. People have seen lights or a light bobbing along a four mile long gravel road called the devil's promenade. Whoa. Which is a great name. Down by the old promenade. Oh yeah. El Diablo's promenade. What accent is that? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, oh Diablo, not. You uh, actually sound like Robin Williams in Toys. Ew, you're right. Ew, <laughs> you're right. Sorry, everybody. Have to see it to believe it. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> that you get for free. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> Don't even have to go over to Patreon for that one. Um, the sightings straddle Missouri and Oklahoma. People in both states have seen these. So it's said to be an orange ball of light ranging in size from a baseball to a basketball. Some people have seen it dance down the center of the road at high speeds before all of a sudden shooting up and ascending high over the tree line and disappearing. Some people have seen it swaying side to side like it's dancing uh, or like it's lighting an invisible lantern in somebody's hand, which I love, love the that. image of. Yeah, uh, It's like said- Dumbledore's... Um- 
yeah put outer from harry potter right like he can suck lights through the air and they go to a little thing in his hand but if dumbledore was like a giant you know what i mean because if you're thinking of that as like the flame in a lantern even if it's the size of a baseball it's a pretty damn big lantern yeah you're right so uh i like thinking about like a a giant creature kind of like holding the light yeah Mm -hmm. unseen but you can only see the light for whatever reason Um, It's said to have been seen nightly for 100 years, and the best time to spot it is between 10 o'clock and midnight, and that large groups or loud noises seem to dissuade it from coming out. Same. (laughs) Uh, The sightings may have started in the 1800s with Native Americans who saw it along the Trail of Tears, and then it saw a resurgence in the 1930s and 40s. So there are a lot of different like legends and stories attached to it, naturally. Uh, One is that a... Quapaw or Quapaw Native American woman wanted to marry a man, but her father wouldn't let her because he didn't have enough money. They eloped and people came after them for doing so. And so this couple held hands and jumped into the spring river together. The sightings it's you know a legend Mm -hmm. uh the sightings started soon after so perhaps this light is their entwined spirits that had so much energy to them that they became visible romeo and juliet right exactly um there are also three lantern based stories um the story that a miner left his wife and children to go work and came back to their cabin to find them gone so the light is him searching for them um much less wholesome, although sad, um, a story that a Native American was beheaded, so the light is him looking for his head. Whoa. And then plain old Satan using a lantern to sniff around for souls. That's what he's up to? Yeah. He doesn't have know. people working for him? Full on, the Satan is is out walking around the devil's promenade? He's got to get him by hook or by crook, so he might have to just, you know, he's do suck the work up himself. And, yeah, I guess that's a good boss. Right. If you want something done right, who do you have do it? Why is it? Do, do you have any idea why it's called the Devil's Promenade? I don't. Probably because he's out there cavorting about then. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that name came after this light started maybe. being sighted. I, I don't know. Who the hell knows? Who, you know what? Who the hell knows? We certainly don't. On Guide to the Unknown, we, don't, we have no idea. No. Sadly, there's no way to find out. <laughs> there's no way to find out. We'll never know. No. Uh, so it blew up into local common knowledge in the 1930s and 40s, and it was eventually covered by Kansas Star reporter Charles Graham in 1946. This guy went like decently hard at it. He enlisted army engineers and a colonel to investigate the lights over the course of a few days, and they came to the conclusion that they're car headlights, which could account <laughs> for some of the sightings, but doesn't explain those that happened before cars were a thing. It's so close to the invention of the car right but but here's the thing because this also plays into like something that i've been sort of like fascinated by for a good long while the idea that like when new technology emerges and becomes ubiquitous or even like you know the car is invented right and it, it is sort of um uh the opposite of ubiquitous like only a few people have a car yeah. Right. So then when you are out walking down the road or riding your tricycle or whatever the hell it is people used to do, whatever can Riding their giant recumbent bike with a huge front wheel. Yeah, exactly. Sitting on a sled behind a horse. <laughs> I don't know what they did. Dodging the pies as they come flying out. But like whenever they like if they looked through the trees and they saw headlights, 
coming at them, they'd be like, what is that? What in God's name? Yeah. And, and when you when you experience that new emerging technology, even if it does become like so popular that almost everybody has one, there are people sitting around stewing about how this is going to unmake society as we know it for yeah. X, Y, Z reason and then telling horror stories to each other. Mm-hmm. Maybe literally a writer being like, here's what's scary about a car. And they yeah. write it down and share it with people. Or people just being like, yeah, but you know, the lights in the woods, you know, th- those aren't all headlights or whatever. Like, right. it could be that uh, cars were so new that lights were spooky in the woods because people yeah. weren't used to the idea that it's just, you know, Timmy trying to get home. But totally. also this this event is so old. What, the 40s, you said? Yeah, it was 1946 when they did this little research project. So cars had only been around for a few decades, and the mm-hmm. stories go back further than that. So right, what was... now, military men? Uh-huh, what of that? Yeah, a two brute? Right. Okay, this is what I really loved. So not too, too long after that big boom of initial attention, uh... With the the article in the 40s, a man named Arthur Spooky Meadows. Great nickname. I know. Stupid. But excellent. Um, Bought some land near the sightings and and, uh, founded the Spookville Community Building and Museum. Seems like from pictures that I saw, it was like a small house with a sign that said Spook Light Free Museum on the side. And then there were also signs that said Spooksville, USA and Spookers Shanty Souvenirs. Pick one. He wrote, <laughs> would you say? Pick one. So <laughs> this guy was names. throwing everything at the wall. One of them will take off. Right. Uh, he even wrote an original song called Come and See the Spook Lights Tonight that he would perform for visitors seemingly free of charge from my research. No, uh, thank you. <laughs> this place became a popular hangout for teens. Uh, it sold snacks and merch and had a telescope pointing at the area of the lights that you could use for a quarter. And that area eventually became dubbed Spook Light Road. Cool. Uh, By the mid-50s, other businesses in the area were into it and had info sheets available for travelers who wanted to see the lights, as well as directing people towards Spooky's Museum. So I guess they got some sort of like little thing going on, some sort of arrangement. When Arthur got too old to manage it easily, he passed on the museum to his brother-in-law, Garland Middleton, who ran it until his death. Uh, It stood empty for many years until it eventually went up in flames. So maybe this was more teen shenanigans. Maybe. I would imagine it was like kind of isolated. Poking around the abandoned building. Right. Um, But it seems like someone is following in their footsteps because they offer tours through spooklight.freewebspace.com slash custom3.html, which very well could be out of date because it is absolutely one of our beloved, very early internet looking sites. Oh, yeah. But... I mean, who knows? If you are somewhat local to that area, it's not completely impossible that that person is still actually doing those tours, but just hasn't kept an up-to-date website. Sure. So yeah, why not? Hard to say. Um, so that takes us on out of Missouri. Love it. Now we have explored what there is to know going on. So let's head up north to Canada, eh? Yes, please. And see what's going on in Vancouver. Okay. All right. So I used ghostsofvancouver.com, which was an excellent resource. So if you're interested in this sort of thing, or if you live in the area, you might want to check it out. Let's first talk about the Lamplighter Pub. 
Um, opened in 1899, this is one of the oldest bars in the city, and it's connected to the Dominion Hotel. There's a, a decorative sleigh above the door that used to have a mannequin in it, and people said that they saw it move. I'm thinking that these may not be the most reliable witnesses in the entire world, people who are at the bar. Um, yeah, it but sounds still. like a TGI Fridays in there. I know. I think it has a bunch of like tchotchke stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as the night wears on, the mind plays tricks. Uh, different kinds of spirits might be getting to people. Chris, that's good. William. Uh, so who knows? Uh, but the employees have stories, which are always interesting because they're there all the time. Right. Uh, so the bouncer heard clanging of wine glass, <laughs> heard clanging, heard the clanging of wine glasses that hung over the bar once, like someone ran their hand down the length of them. But no one was there. Whoa. Uh, uh, a server saw an empty wine glass float above the bar, move behind it, and then fall and smash. Okay. And then there's Billy Bob. Oh, don't tell me about Billy Bob. William, you don't want to know. Uh, this is the nickname for a longtime front desk night shift worker. Uh, excuse me. It's a nickname that the longtime front desk night shift worker gave to a ghost who popped up a lot, but mostly as kind of typical swirls of mist with a twist. There was a black dot where the head would normally be, which oh. I like the visual of. Yeah, that's interesting. Very strange. Missed with a twist. Missed with a twist. Um, a bartender said that they could see the ghost in the mirror behind the bar during shifts, almost like they were hanging out and helping. And one new employee saw a full body apparition in a traditional chef's outfit who darted around the bar unnaturally quickly when they were spotted. The employee only mentioned the incident when someone who'd been working there for longer asked them if they had met the ghost yet. So it seems like stuff's going on down at the old Lamplighter pub. It definitely carries a little more weight when it's like the employees just sort of talking about it amongst each other or something mm -hmm. or being like, did you ever see this? Oh, right. now that you ask. Yes, yes definitely. Right. Like, <clears throat> it doesn't mean that people who bring it up are like instantly less valid. However, there is right. something that feels like a little bit more believable when somebody didn't bring it up themselves and they're asked and they're just right. like, well... Actually, I did see yeah, whatever so this is. Yeah, it's a little is. more real, yeah. Because mm -hmm. they're like not looking for just attention potentially or whatever. Right. Okay, so now let's talk about the Vogue Theater, which is a renovated old performance theater. So there have been a lot of shadow figures seen here. We have two categories of things that have, have appeared in the Vogue Theater. Shadow figures and severe dude. Severe dude? Mm -hmm. Who do you want to start with? Severe Dude sounds cool, so let's hold off. Let's go with Shadow okay. Figures, because that's sort of like a classic mainstay of paranormal activity. Yeah, definitely. All right, so a former manager named Bill Allman spoke to Ghosts of Vancouver about his experience. So this website usually is sort of, um, you know, just like research, like re they write things like regular articles, but this was a fun kind of like interview. Um, so this guy said, quote, I was locking up the carpentry room in the basement and got that distinct feeling that someone was behind me. I turned around and I saw what I describe as a three dimensional shadow go by the door. So I scrambled out into the hall and there was no one there. I was the only one around. I left the theater relatively quickly after that. I believe I set a speed record that day. Uh -huh. 
Uh, all men. It's cute. Yeah. Uh, he said that same fig. He saw that same figure about two months later. He was on the stage setting up for a show when he had a sense of someone in the audience, and it seemed to be that same three-dimensional shadow figure. But when he turned to look right at it, it disappeared. Hmm. Uh, he's heard things as well, like the time he had set up the stage for a Beatles tribute band, and he heard the sound of drums being played, again, stopping before he was in eyeshot of them. The which ghost is very of much, Ringo. I know! Uh, which is very much in keeping with your and my theory that it just kind of happens like right in the periphery. Yes, like you're, if you're not. If you seek it out, it doesn't happen. Right. It happens when you're barely paying attention. Mm hmm. Um, let's see. And then. There was another worker who was on a catwalk above the audience area one day when he felt something invisible brush past him and it suddenly got cold. Mm. Another incident happened with the shadow person when a separate worker was alone in the lobby when she sensed a presence, looked around, and glimpsed a shadow figure climbing the stairs to the balcony level. Oh, it's weird that they have to like... I, I guess it makes sense. It's just funny. Like when you phrase it as like climbing the stairs. I know. I thought the same thing. They can't just like float up. Yeah. Like hand on a banister going up one step at a time. Right. Steadying themselves. It's like a major I, pain in the ass. You get to be a ghost finally. Right. Right. You'd be like, oh, finally I can like fly and go through. No, you still have to take the stairs. <laughs> I wonder if there are like different capabilities of ghosts or something. I wonder if there are like higher echelons to reach where you can float through things and maybe, maybe you're like not as experienced a ghost yet. So you still have to use like earthly supports. You have to like level up as a ghost. Maybe. How many, how many know. level one ghosts like eventually just go like being a ghost is bullshit. Yeah, this sucks. <laughs> Can't even fly. Right. Maybe that helps them go to the light. Maybe. Yes. Maybe you, know you I mean? eventually can go to the light when you level up enough. Maybe there aren't as many ghosts around showing themselves to us because they're like, this sucks. I still have to use like stairs. If I want to go somewhere, I have to like, I don't know, get on a train yep. or something. Yeah, exactly. Like the train ghost from Ghost, who teaches right. Patrick Swayze how to scoot those pennies all over the place. It right. takes concerted effort to do fantastical things. Otherwise, yes, you're taking the bus. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe some people are like, this is not all it was cracked up to be. No. So I am going to move on. Man, and maybe, I was so looking forward to being dead. Yeah, I thought I could fly and stuff. Yeah. And apparently not. Maybe that's why, you know, perhaps Crap. places aren't chock-a-block full with ghosts at all times, because some of them are like, peace. Yeah, I'm not climbing up the stairs. No, I still have to work at this? No, thank you. I'd love to haunt that house, but there are 13 <laughs> front steps. Not worth the it. The effort is not yeah. worth it. All right, so here is the severe dude. So in 1985, there was a bunch of commotion around a run of a Nat King Cole tribute show. Okay. About a week before it started, Allman, that guy who worked at the theater who gave the interview, gave a theater tour to a friend and their girlfriend who was psychic. She was too freaked out to say it at the time, but she later told Allman that she saw a young man with dark hair and severe features sitting in the old projection booth and that he radiated anger. Whoa. Then one of the show's performers seemed to have had to have seen the same figure during a performance, which caused him to mess up. He said, quote, he saw a man come out onto the audience floor from the fire exit near the front row at stage left. The man looked directly up at McPherson with a blank face, this guy, and then he dissolved into thin air. It was the shock of seeing this that caused McPherson to mess up his performance or 
was as an excellent excuse for messing yeah. up your performance. I know you 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 totally botched the sick guitar solo. Yeah, I guess in your Nat King Cole performance, <laughs> your guitar solo, <laughs> because there was somebody giving you the stinky eye. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. Isn't that convenient? The cutie eye, the evil eye. What is <laughs> right? It? The hairy eye. The hairy eye. I do love the idea of this guy just being. So, what do you call him? The severe man. Yeah. That is alarming. Mm-hmm. The the idea that somebody is just seething with so much that yes. would be distracting, like like tremendously distracting. If you just notice somebody who is looking like so enraged, yeah, that, like violence might break out at any given moment. No, it totally would. It's like that episode of Seinfeld where he notices. I think it's I don't know who it is, but some somebody is not laughing in the audience. Oh and yeah yeah yeah. He his whole set is screwed up because he's totally distracted by it. I thought you were ta- going to talk about Kramer's friend FDR, Franklin Delano Romanowski. <laughs> I mean, I'm prepared to talk about FDR. Who does but... indeed give him the evil eye. <laughs> That's right. He says that he used his birthday wish, uh, hoping that Kramer would drop dead. <laughs> that does work for the show. You know, it, it is something that's true. intangible. Yes. Frightening. Correct. Yeah. Um. So here's the the last time that this guy was seen. Uh, well, I don't know if that's true, but the last thing I have. Uh, the next day, a theater. So the next day after this performance was thrown because of the severe man, uh, a theater employee named David Ron saw the ghost. While locking up the theater for the night, he walked to the area in the front of the stage. He happened to look up toward the projection booth where he saw someone standing in the doorway. Although the body appeared to be in the shadows, the face was clearly of a cleanly shaved man with chiseled features, short hair, and dark eyebrows. As Ron kept looking, the apparition dissolved, just as it did for other witnesses. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, so, I love the, I love the concept of this figure, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of just an... I, I am picturing, by the way, I am picturing that subway ghost from Ghost, Buggy Ding Dong. Oh, yeah. You know who I'm picturing because uh, I, I'm recently more aware of him because he's in that show that's on AMC called Mayfair Witches, which I haven't watched because I saw the commercial. Yeah. I'm picturing Jack Houston, Angelica Houston's son. Oh. He is some sort of bad guy who's like haunting the area. Okay. And he is like pale with dark hair and severe features. Interesting. So I'm picturing this guy. He is also, if anybody at home happens to know what i'm talking about he was on boardwalk empire i can't remember what his character's name was but he wore um a metal mask because he had been in the war and his face was damaged i knew it was gonna be him really yeah yeah he's the only person i remember from that show yeah yeah Yeah. he's got severe features yeah and he's playing a scary guy right now so that's who i picture for this dude interesting the severe man I actually don't know if anybody calls him the severe man. That's just what I, they described him as severe and I made a heading that said severe dude. Good. Then that's trademark guide to the unknown severe. Oh, dude. perfect. I love Easy. it. It sounds like a creepypasta name or something, or like it could be like a Momo. Yeah. The severe man. There's like a, another sort of like cryptid. Uh, it, it sort of has already passed. A few people sent it to us, uh, but we never got to it. There's like a cryptid that's said to appear in AI art. Oh, and just like a face that seems to come up no matter what prompt you give the system. This like figure will sometimes just appear. It's oh, like yeah. Severe dude feels like it could also just be like <laughs> he's just sometimes in your photos, like the severe man. You know, Maybe we should just start 
start our own, I think it's you great. know, urban legend creepypasta thing sure. called the Severe Man. Let's do it. I love it. It's awful close to Slender Man. Now that I think about it. Yeah, but 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 Slender Man is the absence of anything, True. right? This, this is the the complete inverse. This is all you've got is that he hates you. Yeah, right? like all you've got is that he's pissed. Yeah, Slender Man has no features at all. This guy is only right. features. I had yeah, this feature I had heavy. This, I had an idea a long time ago about like just like looking at like the quadrants of slashers, like Michael Myers, right? Uh, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, any any Ghostface. Let's start mm-hmm. with Ghostface because it's the classic idea of somebody wearing a costume. Somebody is chasing after you and they're wearing a mask to hide their identity. Right. Just in case they don't get away with it, they don't want you to know who was trying to kill you so that you don't turn them into the police. Yeah. So somebody's wearing a mask to become anonymous. Michael Myers is weird because he's wearing a mask to become the guy we recognize him as when he's in that mask. Yeah, you would think maybe you'd want to switch it up. Yes, but we something. know who you are because you're wearing a mask with yeah, Michael Yeah, this Myers, identifies you. With Jason Voorhees. So I started thinking, like, I would love to, to craft a slasher where the person shows you their face and yet you have no idea who they are. Like, they're the yeah. mis- that's the missing ingredient of a slasher. And it's sort of been done a few... Wait, what do you few- mean? Uh, like, uh, well, like Ghostface doesn't want you to see who they are, right? And you have no idea who they are. Uh, Michael Myers doesn't want you to see his face, but you know exactly who he is. I want somebody who doesn't wear a mask right? because their face itself, it's like, irre- like I, why should I wear a mask? I'm going to kill you. Oh, you, and you they just have no... F- get away. Oh, I see. I no see. Yeah, that what. is awesome. Right. Yeah, they just have no fear because it's absolutely a foregone conclusion that there isn't going to be a living witness to this yes. murder. And maybe they I can't gotcha. be found, right? Like maybe like maybe somebody does get away and turns and like says to the police, like I was attacked by this person. They go mm-hmm. through the whole rigmarole of like the the guy who draws out the features, whatever, and they're like, Yeah, 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 we know this guy. He's um he's killed, you know, X number of people. Only one other person has ever gotten away. We've never we found him. him. We have no idea who he is. Yeah. Even though we know his face, he is still anonymous. He is John yeah. Doe, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was that a Mike awesome. movie called Hush, where the killer, like, very willingly shows his face, knowing, like, I'm going to get away. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I don't need to hide my face with you. So it's yeah. sort of that. Um, but I'm obsessed with this I like it. sort of, like, yeah, it's just kind of like a fun, spooky, the nature of an identity and the severe guy severe dude yeah is sort of fitting that bill for me right now let me add a twist what if this guy is that no face thing from dick tracy my god that, oh uh, my god well, well we know who that was that was madonna it was breathless mahoney it was breath- <laughs> <laughs> man i haven't seen that movie since i was a young child and it grossed me out i know i think i have seen it as an adult but i don't remember when Horrifying. And then, and then Madonna put out an album called I Am Breathless Mahoney. Oh, so she wanted to spoil the movie too. <laughs> well, we all knew she was Breathless Mahoney. No, no, no. Her, her, her pretty character is named Breathless Mahoney. I don't know if there was a name for that no face thing. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It yeah, we been, knew right. her name was Breathless Mahoney. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when people name their albums I Am whatever. Like uh, Mariah am. Carey had... Um, uh, Oh God, what is it? It's like I am Mimi, the elusive Chanteuse. Oh God. Wow. That's something. <laughs> or it when... might have just been I am dot 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 the elusive Chanteuse. It might have been that. 
I don't know. Yeah. I like it when uh, musicians have alternate personas. Remember when uh-huh. um, Lady Gaga had that like Andrew? Oh, Rice Joe play? Calderon. Joe Calderon. Oh, nobody talks about that anymore, huh? For good reason. Remember Garth Brooks and Chris Gaines? Of course I do. That's the that's like the classic example. That's the gold standard. That is. I just want to make sure everybody brought that to mind. Perhaps you haven't thought about that in a while. I yes. want you to think about that. Yes, Garth Brooks has a dark, gothy, the crow incarnation yeah. of himself known as Chris Gaines. And, and I he, believe he would open for himself in concert. Maybe you're right. I, th- I think, I he think that he introduced Chris Gaines... This can't be right. I was about to say he introduced Chris Gaines on SNL. That can't be right. That doesn't feel right. You're no, thinking of that sketch where he's... That's exactly what I'm thinking Where he of. asks, he summons the devil to help him write a song. And I think Will I must Ferrell be thinking of that. as the devil, you know, saying insane, insane things. On the things. highway, on the byway, Mr. Mr. Robotron. Robotron. Yeah. And then he goes, what the hell was that? He goes, I don't know, man. I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> Which is funny that the devil is going to help you write the, the biggest hit of all time, but he sucks. Yeah. But the weird thing is that that sketch ends with uh, Garth Brooks being like, "No, it's all right, man. I don't, I don't, I don't need your help." And the devil leaves, and there's a solid forty-five seconds—not that yes. long, but it feels eternal—of Garth Brooks sitting down with his guitar and he goes, "Talk about the devil. <laughs> the devil can't write no love song." Like, there's a happy just... ending to this SNL sketch where. Garth Brooks finds the power in himself to write a really good song. It's just him noodling out a song. He noodles out a song about how the devil can't write a love song. And it's right. like, what did this, did this SNL sketch eventually turn into something with like a message? What is this? I don't know. I think it was just like a little mini showcase or something. I guess. Um, I wonder if that made it to air. Cause I think that was just on the like Will Ferrell best of SNL DVD that we had. Good question. And that had some stuff that wasn't on TV. I don't know. I don't um, know. last thing I want to say about Garth Brooks is that Chris Gaines was supposed to, uh, lead to a movie, a Chris Gaines movie. No. That, oh yes. Oh, that never boy. happened. I wonder why. Yeah, I know. I don't think it went the way he wanted it to. No, I guess not. All right. So the last thing I'm going to leave us with today, because I do have some other stuff, but uh, I would like to stick to our locations. So let's pop over to Danbury from episode 255, Haunted Connecticut. Yes, And this is just a tiny little shorty. Love it. Um, During that episode, I found some other like, you know, weird old websites that were kind of catchers for ghost stories that people would submit. And so here is one. This is from ghostsofamerica.com. This was submitted by Edmund. (laughs) I was riding past an old country church near Pembroke Road. I'm not sure of the name, but it was across from a Russian church. It was a rainy... Ooh, battling churches across the road from each other. Uh, It was a rainy June evening around 8 p.m. And there was a soldier on a horse in the bottom field, the right of the church. He was dressed in revolutionary... Uh, revolutionary garb like an English officer. He was sitting on a horse next to a volleyball net. I thought it was an actor in a skit for July 4th. I slowed down, opened the window, and yelled, Hello, mate! He immediately drew his sword and began to ride quickly toward me. I stepped on the gas and saw through my rearview mirror as he and the horse rode through the wall into the church. I was freaked out and have never gone near that haunted church again. I don't dare go near it. No, uh, good. That's, that, that's that's smart. I'd thinking. imagine not. Do not go there again. That that is. Whoa! You think you're just joking around? 
Have a bit of a mate. larf. Oh, yeah. and then that ghost starts booking it for you. Yikes. Ooh, I love that. I know. That ghost has no chill. No, none at all. But I guess it eventually was like, eh, screw it. And decided to just go through the church wall. Yeah, I guess. You, you got far enough away. You're outside of my like sphere of <laughs> My jurisdiction. Or, yeah, my jurisdiction. Maybe it was like the Headless Horseman. You know what yeah, I mean? Like the there, there's a line of demarcation that it could not pass. Yes, maybe it's well. something with ghost horses. Is, do you think there's another ghost inside that church being like, for the last time, Ned, don't <laughs> ride your horse into the church? No, we've established ours. Leave I'm your just ghost trying to horse hang. outside. That's right. <laughs> That's yeah, right. I do. I do think that. Yes, definitely is the answer, of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So I think that's going to be it for today. Yeah, for... and for this year. Yes, yes, absolutely. And there's still stuff that you didn't get to, huh? Yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. funny. We'll save it for another time. Huh. And I actually didn't even comb through all of the episodes that I have notes for. Huh. This is Who's... just from... Whose fault Go. is it this time? <laughs> You're right. Huh. I went over. But you'll notice, William, I stopped myself. Listen. <laughs> you started it. I'm, I, I, well, I wasn't going to say a damn thing. You better not. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great. That was awesome. Good. Yeah. So we'll revisit some time in the future. But don't worry. Next week, you'll be hearing more from old Willie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they got plenty of me this time anyway. We're all is well. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out with us uh, today in this episode, mm-hmm. in this month, in this year. We really, really appreciate it. We appreciate you. We hope that you are all doing well. Um, it's getting hairy and scary. So we hope that you're inside and warm and chilling yeah. and recuperating if necessary. Um, Absolutely. Enjoy the ball dropping or the gack tower exploding. Whatever <laughs> it is that you do on New Year's Eve, have a ball. Um, and we'll definitely see you in 2023, everybody, uh, head to patreon.com slash GTTU pod. If you, uh, desire, if you crave more guide to the unknown, um, (laughs) we'll have a new show coming out on Monday. You can get that demonic toys episode right this second and so much more. It occurred to me again today. I was like thinking about doing a ghost hunt. I was like, we have ghost hunt stuff on the Patreon. Yes, we We have a ton. Like footage and audio of us going on ghost hunts mm-hmm. on the the patreon.com slash GTTU pod that you can poke 